the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategy strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power. Welcome to the show. I'm Eric Hallaby. Thanks for being with me. Being a part of the show this hour. Talk about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. We always talk about things that can impact you and your retirement and the areas in your life uh, that I think most people don't pay attention to. Because when it comes to retirement, when it comes to that kind of lifestyle, we always ask ourselves, you know, what can we do better? What can we do differently? And I believe a lot of us forget that it's a different time in retirement than it is when we're not, when we're working, right? When that part of our life, our food, shelter, clothing, right? Our, our expenses, insurance, internet these days, when that comes from our job, then you're allowed to have your retirement accounts have some risk because you're buying. It's called dollar cost averaging. You're buying when it's high. You're buying when it's low. You're buying more shares when it's low. You're doing that over time with the um, idea or at least the belief that one day, the market will be higher than it is today, right? Otherwise, why would you buy high and sell low? That wouldn't make sense. And you wouldn't build your financial life with that in mind, would you? But people do. They do all day long. You'll buy your food, shelter, clothing, your insurance, your internet with your job, expecting to get a pay raise every year or at least cost of living every year. Every time you change a job, it would be nice. Most of the time you expect to make more money. You do all of those things with the hope that one day the retirement account replaces what it is that you're spending money on. Now, if we get to the place where we don't get to enjoy it, right? There's a problem. Income changes, things change with our life. Somebody gets hurt, injured, can't go back to work, disabled. Those kinds of things affect us. Well, I want to read you something that we got from our credit union. Okay, so it, it's not that my credit union is bad. I think it's a pretty good one. But they, they farm out these things. These, they, the, the, it's called accidental death and dismemberment insurance. In fact, at one point, JCPenney was the largest issuer of AD&D insurance, accidental death and dismemberment. 
I believe JCPenney had made more money selling its insurance than they did selling clothes and tools. Their items in their store was less of a profit than the profit that came from selling the accidental death and dismemberment. And the reason is simple, because most of the time it doesn't pay out. We used to make a joke in the industry that, you know, the accidental death and dismemberment says you have to get hit by a blue truck on a Thursday, right? I mean, they, they were so restrictive on how you would get paid out. I want to read you some of this because I think you forget how ridiculous these policies are. Now, if you said in the world, Arif, I have nothing or I have this. All right, we'll have this. Almost anything is better than nothing. But the exclusions here accidental death and dismemberment. Most of your credit unions are going to have this. If you have it and you say, well, it's better than nothing, I would say, well, why didn't you just get something better? Maybe you can't qualify. Maybe your health. Okay, that's a different story. But if you can qualify for better insurance, wouldn't you want to get, wait for it, better insurance? Here's the exclusions. The coverage does not cover loss caused by or resulting from intentionally self-inflicted injury. Now, I want you to know, I'm going to pause for a minute. I want you to know regular life insurance after two years, after two years, even covers suicide. Okay? That's a life insurance plan. This does not. I hate that idea. I mean, I don't want to even think about it. But just understand that suicide is even covered after two years. All right. This coverage does not include loss from uh, or resulting from uh, self-inflicted injury, suicide, or attempted suicide while sane or insane, being intoxicated, or consequences of taking, using, or being under the influence of any narcotic. Okay, ready for this? Drunk driving. You crash your car. Some of you think your car insurance pays for it. Not if you're committing a crime, a felony, running from the police, over the legal limit. Well, this does not cover you. I want to get into something here. Ready for this? Operating a motor vehicle with a blood alcohol level exceeding the legal limit as defined by the state law in which the accident occurs. Pretty amazing. Resulting from, here we go, ready for this? Complications resulting from medical treatment, surgery, pregnancy, or childbirth. Now, I share that with you because I I want you to realize the limitations, if you will, the small print, the fine print, that comes from a lot of these plans is not a foundation in which to build your future life. If you need life insurance, you get life insurance. If you can't qualify, a lot of people can't. If you can't qualify for life insurance, then we build your financial life kind of to be self-insured if we can. It might take longer. It may not be exactly what we want. But we deal with the pieces of the puzzle in which we're given. So please, don't buy this accidental death and dismemberment insurance if you can qualify for regular insurance. Because this whole, you know, get hit by a blue truck on a, on a Thursday wearing, a, you know, plaid shirt. That's almost as ridiculous as it sounds. Because the whole concept of accidental death and dismemberment is to almost never, ever cover you. It's to really get to the place where your objective is to not cover you and then maybe sort of, if we have to, cover you. Last I heard about uh, 2% was the number. 2% of every claim made in accidental death and dismemberment insurance were ever even paid. Sometimes you get better odds going to Las Vegas, right? Uh, I mean, when out of 
a hundred claims, only two of them are paid. Why is that okay? How are we building our life? Don't blame JCPenney or Sears. They're the ones that sell this stuff. I remember Sears made more money one year. Last I cared about looking at it. They made more money one year on the interest on their credit card than on selling their stuff. I mean, did you ask yourself, what business is JCPenney's in? What business is Sears in? And I'm just using them as an example. Maybe today their numbers are different. But they're a retailer. Or are they an insurance company? They're a retailer. Or are they a credit card company? So just be cautious. Right? I like both of those stores. You can find really neat things there. Go, go online. All that stuff is wonderful. But use them for what they're good at, what they're known for, what their job is. Just like saying, you know, I tried to use a screwdriver as a hammer. You know how long it took me to get that nail in? I, was, uh, I did it. I did the job. It was inefficient, but I did it. I'd ask you, well, maybe just use a different tool. Maybe if the job is something that's different, well, maybe we just use, ready for this, a different tool, the appropriate tool. All right, I thought I'd just run that by you because my, my uh, credit union sent that out this weekend and I thought that was interesting, opening it up <laughs> on, on Thanksgiving. And by the way, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Mine was amazing having my, my kids here, my kids in town. That was a great thing, their spouses. I'll tell you, it's an amazing uh, feeling as you age through this part of life and you say, wow, now all of a sudden I have kids that are married and they have different families and, and uh, traditions. They're creating their own traditions. Some things we used to do, well, we don't do that anymore. Well, why not? Well, we just decided not to. You're like, but, but wait, no, it's their turn. So yeah, it's a challenge. It is for all of us as, as we grow up, as our kids grow and, and become young men and women. But I want you to be clear on this, especially if you are one of those parents, the in-laws. Have a Think, as I've been so uh, wisely <laughs> advised by my wife, think twice before you say something. Maybe three times. Probably a good idea. Three times is a good number. Just before you say it, go, eh, maybe not. Maybe it's there story, their problem, their issue to work out. So anyway, good stuff. Very excited about it. I love the idea that uh, our family's growing. God's blessed us immensely. Uh, and church this morning was no different, right? What a blessing. All right. As we continue, guys, I want to give you a couple of things here. What I have found, and this might be interesting to you, I have found in my 27 years of financial experience and 10 years prior to that as a, a, as a, a trader, as an investor and a trader on myself. So a little bit of a recap. This is what I did for my own personal portfolio, starting with whatever it was, $500, adding to it every time I got a pay raise, I got a job, uh, increase in income. I did that as I went through time. But the key is this. When I became a professional, 27, 28 years of age, went back to school actually at 26, 27, and, and spent two years trying to figure out why I got ripped off because yes, I did. I got scammed and they took all my money. And I thought, wow, what? I, I was a smart guy. And at the age of 21, I became a Los Angeles policeman. So wait a second, I was a smart guy with a gun. They knew that. They, they knew that I could protect myself. They, they weren't afraid. They weren't like, ooh, we better not rip this guy off. Anything could happen. There's none of that. Maybe that's just the personality I had. That's what they 
That's what they felt. They felt like, oh, well, we could rip him off. He's not going to do anything. It's like, wow. When you think about this in life and you think about, wow, I, I could actually, I, I mean, look, look at FTX, right? FTX is an exchange. It's like going in and depositing your money into Bank of America. When you do that and then Bank of America does not give you your money, but instead the manager uses it for his own personal gain, that's just like FTX. The cryptocurrency was there, but on paper. What the actual assets were doing, well, he took them out the back door. Just like Bernie Madoff, they phonied up statements, remember? Bernie Madoff says, oh, you made 18% rate of return. So you thought, oh, well, look on paper, I'm so rich. So many of you say, oh, you know, I'm rich, but it's, a, it's, a, but it's on paper. Oh, you don't say that, do you? It's a paper gain. No, no, but when you lose money, you say it's a paper loss. Isn't it funny? In my years of experience, I have found very few people take credit for the market going down, take the blame when the market goes down. In fact, a very liberal client of mine that probably took his money out because of that reason. We made him, oh, I think we averaged about 6.2% rate of return. So when the market was doing really high, when it was doing really bad, when it was so-so, he took all that time, I think it was a, a little over a decade, maybe 12 years, added it up, divided by, he averaged about 6.5%, 6.2, something like that. And he said, Arif, I, this is about a year and a half ago. I think I can do better because he's very anti-Trump. Oh my gosh, he thinks Trump's the second coming of Christ. No, just the opposite. He hated him. And he just, just as much as those people on the other side, you know, really uh, thought Obama was the, the second coming, you know, this guy thought he, he was... It was horrible. And so anything that you said about uh, positive about President Trump, anything you said about a Republican being a good guy or a policy being a good guy, this particular client was upset. So took his money. Now he's down 27%. A man in his 80s, his wife in her late 70s. And for political reasons, because they didn't like the way uh, well, the stand we take, that's what we do right here. I'm not going to be a coward anymore. I'm, I'm not going to. You guys are cowards still. Well, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to offend anybody. So you cover yourself with some self-righteous, oh, but see how self-righteous I am because I'm a non-offender. Well, you don't have to be a jerk, right? When people say, I tell I'm brutally honest. No, sometimes you're just brutal, right? So just don't be brutal. Be honest, be kind, say it in love. But say the truth. You could say the truth. You could when when somebody says you should wear a mask or why aren't you wearing a mask, say the truth. Because they don't work, because it's the same mask that was in your pocket. And if there was a virus there, it's a virus here. And you're not supposed to do that. Or you're wearing a beard. So there is no at all there there's no seal. So so you you're not clean shaven. Or or it's not even pinched at the nose and it were you fitted? Were you fitted by a PPE? expert at the hospital because that's what the, the surgeons do they're, they're actually fitted by a did you know that before somebody can they, their PPE has to be fitted properly they have to be taught how to wear it not somebody who wears it below their nose and is uh, some sort of self-righteous oh look how look how noble I am yes I just want you guys to tell the truth right listen I'll give you a good example. Somebody was being a bit cantankerous, even a bit of a jerk, really. 
And I said, look, I took eighth grade science. I know it doesn't work. You don't have to take college level biohazard 101. You just have to have common sense. So I want you guys to stand up because they're starting to bring back the masks. And I promise you, they're going to do it again. They're going to try it in schools because the election is over. Right? They're going to try it in a few different places. You're going to see that happen. Right? Newsom knows he's not popular. He's never going to get elected. So he bailed out this, this year so he can continue to destroy California. I'm still standing by my prediction. Biden will not be president a year from today. I think by Labor Day next year, he's going to step down. Whether it's the Republican investigations finding out the truth, whether uh, on Biden laptop and who the big guy is. Somebody was getting a piece of it. Whether it's Biden proving that he was dishonest on, oh, I never met those people. And yet he's got pictures with them and email communications with them, thanking them, White House logs. Right? I, I don't know. I, I think eventually somebody is going to shut him down and, and say it's probably best that you go. And I think that's going to happen in a couple of ways. Well, I'm going to step down for the health of my family. I'm going to step down for the health of... Right? I think it's going to be something like that. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'll probably owe somebody a steak dinner or I'll get a nice steak dinner. I'm not sure where. I've got some ideas. Let's see. Let's see where it is. All right, here's what I have found. These are my five principles for a long and healthy retirement. It's not just research in my office. It's not just research, you know, in a uh, vocation, right? Talking randomly, casually to clients. But it's a bit more specific. It's going through and seeing what has worked, what has been effective, Because in 27 years, I've taken people from the age of 50 through their kids being late teens, now married, grandparents, and now they are 70, 72, required minimum distributions, forced to retire out of their field, whatever it might be, some pilots that had to retire, some air traffic controllers that had to retire because there's age restrictions with it, right? So so there are times and places where, where I have walked through people through beginning, middle, and end of accumulating wealth, being afraid, scared, to all the way through at the other side of it, which is now receiving their money, grateful beyond. I I think some of you should hear from some of them, right? Nobody knows. We're not predicting what the market's going to do, but we're predicting that you're going to need income. We're predicting that you need a reliable source of income. And believe it or not, I know this is a tough one. I'm predicting that you value peace of mind, right? I think you value peace of mind because a lot of people, we can get you a double rate of return when the the 10-year average is floating with the two-year bond and then the 10-year bond as it's doubling and then the Federal Reserve interest rates and, and by sharing all that stuff, what makes me sound important? You sound dumb because you don't know it. Of course you don't know it. Why don't you sit and try to explain your plumbing job to me? And I'm going to sound dumb Or, or your electrical engineer or your marketing position, right? where what you're doing and your SEO optimization, and I'm going to sit there and just with my eyes open and my mouth open, I don't know what you're saying. So why is it that we accept that Wall Street and and other financial brokers can communicate to you using their jargon and big words so at the end you walk out of there feeling dumber than you did? Perfect example, last week I had a client come in and she said, Arif, I have a PhD. 
I am well educated. I took years, decade of classes, formal education. And when I sit with my broker, he treats me like I'm a little girl and I'm a dummy. And she said, Eric, the biggest thing for me is, is you just don't treat me that way. I thought, wow, I would have never even thought that I, to treat you that way. That's like not even a thing in my mind. This is your money. You worked for this. This is your life savings, not the broker. The broker is in a privileged position and an honored position to care for it. No different than you dropping off your, your four-year-old or your two-year-old at daycare while you went to work or you're in the church daycare, right? I used to work in the church daycare when my kids were little. We had to do that rotation thing, me and my wife. So we had to kind of rotate every four or five, six weeks. Right when people drop off their child, that's the, that's their that's their flesh and blood. It's their effort, it's their life. Imagine if your daycare provider treated your child the same way your broker treats your money. Right, you would say this is ridiculous. Give me my my child. I'm out of here. Give me my money. It's over. But some of you think they're supposed to know better, right? The left is doing that. With school, you don't know anything better. We're, uh, you're the parents, we're the uh, educators. How many of them don't even have kids in school, maybe even were never married and never have children? Across the country, school board members, many of them don't even have kids. They don't know what it's like. It's like you're going to your Wall Street broker, right? You, you have a broker who's in his 30s, 40s, 50s, and you say, well, you, at least you have a million dollars saved, right? Because I'm giving you my million. And he or she says, no, well, no, listen, I, I still live with my parents. I'm 39 years old. No, no, I, I'm 52. I, I still have a lot of debt, student loan debt. Yeah, 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 student loan debt. Sir, you're, sir, you mismanage your own money. And I'm supposed to think you're going to manage mine properly. Right? If any financial professional tells me, well, I, I can get you double digit returns and I'm this and I'm that, I'd say, wonderful, man. That is amazing. Thank you so much. So here's my question. Uh, are your parents cared for financially? I mean, they're, they're fine, right? They, their home is at least paid off. Maybe you paid it off. That's great. Uh, maybe you, you help them financially. Maybe you, I don't know, buy them a car. Maybe you make sure that they have great health care. I, I don't know. Do you do any of that stuff, sir, ma'am? Because if you do, then I want to talk to you about your financial life. Are you financially secure? Great. Okay, you took care of the most important people in the world, others that you care about, then yourself. So now, how much less will you care for mine? Because if those two things are cared for in a very low manner, then yours will never be above that. Right? If he or she mismanages their own money, if he or she doesn't care for his own parents, then how much less of importance is your money? So that's my point. I want you to always kind of be in a position of value. So here's my five principles for a long and healthy retirement. Number one, everyone needs something to care for, to care for. It's why elderly folks, it's why senior citizens, it's why retirees, empty nesters, they have a cat or a dog or a grandchild. Even plants in a garden, something has to need you that you care for. And there's almost nothing in return of value, right? I mean, my dog gives me great value in return, but, but she's not giving me money. She's not paying me to watch her, watch her, to buy her kibble, right? She's not going out and working. 
She's just my, my dog, my golden doodle who's the best in the world. Right? You think you're doing them a favor by removing that, quote, burden from them. But I want you to be careful. You have to make sure you're very clear on something. Ready? Don't take away the burden, what you call a burden, of your parents. Make sure your kids understand a couple of things, parents, that you need to care for the grandchildren. You need to care for the, the dog or the cat. Those are very important parts. Yes, I understand it's, quote, a burden, but they need that burden to feel valued, to feel alive, to feel important. Because if you don't have something to care for, I have found that you spend money on stuff. And whatever your bad habits are, you're going to do more of them. If you play on your phone on these internet games that are going to cost you money, guess what you're going to do? Play more on those internet games that are going to bill your credit card and they're going to cost you money. Because that's what seniors are doing now, right? Facebook is a senior deal. Instagram and, and uh, what is it? Snapchat and many of those other types of... that That's now the new generation. Facebook is, with all those games, that's for the baby boomer type and then the retirees. So they're building that to take your money. You got to have some courage, have something to care for. When I come back, I have four other principles for a long and healthy retirement. Grab your pen and paper, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I'll be right back. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour on your place for news, talk, and information. This is AM870, The Answer. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total Hey there, welcome back. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. Oh gosh, it took me a second to grab a drink of water. Thanks for staying part of the show. Listen, hey, this is important. Your financial life, you can reach out to me. A lot of you do on our email. So next hour... Uh, back by, if you will, or, or at least created by your demand, which is my second hour. It's your emails. Send me an email at arif, A-R-I-F, at tfswealth.com. TFS stands for Total Financial Solutions Wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, tfswealth.com. And here's what the, the big deal with it. I read your emails and I'll either send you a response back, or maybe it means we got to talk on the phone, or sometimes in addition to all of that, I'll even read them on the air. If you don't need me to talk to you, if it's not, if it's just a quick comment, I'll do that as well. Here's why that's important. There are so many other people like you. You don't realize that you think your story, your problem, your issue is yours. It isn't. So next hour of the show, I've got two emails, uh, really good ones, I think, that will make it clear. One of them specifically, I think you're going to find more important than ever this time of year and, and this time of, uh, of our financial cycle, right? So, so stay tuned for second hour. Give me a call now anytime, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 
3847. It's your financial ideas, your concepts, if you will, reliable retirement income and strategies built for you. Not for everybody else. Everybody's is different. That's why it takes a little bit of time. It takes, you know, 15 minutes, an hour maybe to talk to you to figure out what works and what doesn't work. So we'll do that as well. 888-99-RETIRE. If you'd like to meet with me in person, we have an office in Glendale, Simi Valley, and Santa Clarita. And of course, by phone or Zoom or uh, these days, any kind of FaceTime, we can do as well. All right, I'm I'm into your uh, number two on the five success principles for a long and healthy retirement. These are my... This is my observations, not written in any Harvard study by people who never had to sign the front end of a paycheck, never had to deal with retirees, but just talk to them. I had to work with them, work through that decades, watching you grow, watching you change your life, watching you change jobs. This is my observations of tens of thousands of people over the years. And I think it works because for most of you, if you understand something, it's that we need to have something to care for. I thought this was interesting. Uh, remember arranged marriage, arranged marriages, right? You've heard those stories. Uh, Indian cultures, Middle Eastern cultures. A lot of folks in different cultures will uh, matchmake, right? The old Jewish matchmaker. Your parents knew better than you who was a right fit for you, who was a right complement to the family, where it fit in proper. Their their traits. You didn't love them, and sometimes you didn't even meet them until wedding day. How weird was that? Right? Our, our society is that is just odd. How could that even be? Except, did you ever find out these marriages lasted for decades? The love was so deep, and it's because they cared for each other. They were kind of thrown into this mix. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do today. I'm just saying that, that they still found love, deep, deep love. Because they cared for each other at the beginning. They were kind of required to care for each other because it was it. Me and you, kind of like find on a, des- on a desert island, right? Drop two people on a desert island, plane crash, whatever it is, boat, boat crash. And they're marooned. And now they have to create this life where in their particular life, they care for each other. Right? I'll give you a good example. My mother-in-law wasn't doing great. was doing okay. But it took time as she started losing her pets, right? They were older, the cats, and she lives in a bit of a rural area. So sometimes the cats were part of the cycle of life for other animals because they were outdoor cats and dogs were getting more older. She was often known as the person where instead of putting a dog to sleep, the vet might call or friends might call and say, hey, uh, it's just that I don't want to, I don't want to put this dog to sleep. It's a good boy. It's a good girl. I think he or she still has a lot of life left. So my mother-in-law would would grab the dog and say, oh, I got him. I'll take care of him using her money to pay for the food, her money to care for the vet bills, bring him, if you will, back to health, whatever it is she had to do, and give a 12 or a 15-year-old dog some more years, sometimes months, but mostly years. Have you ever seen a more grateful puppy in the world, a little doggy, Right? Have you ever seen a more grateful kitty in the world or a little cat by knowing it has a second chance on life because somebody cares for it? And all of a sudden, the purpose, all of a sudden, the value of waking up. Well, I'd love to, but I got to get back and take care of my dog. I'd love to, but I have to make sure I feed him. Oh, let me see. Let me check on him. Right? Those, that process of going out and becoming 
valuable to something else is key. All right, here's my next one. Everyone needs to have someone counting on you. Not something, not a dog, love a dog, but someone, a person. It's why older women and men used to mentor younger people. Here's a problem I never encountered. Let's go ask Mrs. Jones. Let's go ask Mr. Anderson. Weekly, monthly church meetings, elderly people, the seniors, the elders were respected. Maybe today it's different. Maybe it's your old company calling you for advice, right? People retire and leave. I, I have a client who left uh, uh, an aerospace company and he kind of knew everything about everything, right? He's had longevity, 40 years with the company, knew every part, every organizational structure, all of the things that were an, were an issue. And the younger men that were there, even though he retired two years after he was going to retire, they would still call him on the phone and say, hey, what do we do about this? And what do you know about that? And how do I find this? And how do I make this work? I'm trying to cut this part to make this work, but I have this problem. People need to count on you. Part-time jobs. Watching grandchildren, that can make a difference too. Right? The only way I can work, mom, is if you watch, watch uh, our kids from, from 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. when my husband comes home from work because I got to go into work early. Oh, you got it. Bring him by. That's why this diaspora of the family, right? Where, where people are now spreading out across the country. Family members here and there. The value of family is under attack. It's different. It's struggling. Because the need or the, or the value of somebody I know and I trust and I understand their weaknesses, I understand their problems, I know their idiosyncrasies, called my parents, right? You know them. I'll tell you something. On my side of the family, we had the very first grandchild, my oldest boy. And we would drop him off with my parents and it was a struggle, you know, at first, right? And then my, my mom was amazing with the kids. Like, I, I don't know how she became so good with kid, with us growing up. And I was the second one. So you think that they practiced on the first or second before they did, they got pretty good on the, on the last one, one or two, but she seemed to be great from the word go. I, I don't remember anything that wasn't. And so we still were a bit hesitant to leave our, our only child as precious and perfect as he was. And we drop him off. And I remember one day we come, we come in, I don't know, we went out to dinner or something. We come to, to take a look. Hey, how's it going? Everything okay? Did he eat his vegetables? And we look and my parents are giggling and they're on the floor and they're playing with them. I thought, who are these people and what did you do with my parents? All of a sudden, I looked at them and I thought, you guys are like different human beings. Is, am I the only one? You guys know this, right? You're like, if I was to do that or didn't eat my vegetables or, or wanted two cookies instead of one, you would have said, oh no, that's not how it worked. But man, oh man, as a grandparent, you, whatever my son wanted, they were doing. I thought, this is crazy. But that's the way it is, right? That ability to spoil and yet at the same time have that honor of knowing that they care for him like their own lives. Right? So that's the value. It's why people will tell me, Eric, I'm going to retire, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to wherever my, the first one who has grandkids, that's where I'm going to move. And so when you push out the younger generation in the state of California and they move to another place, you retire to that place. 
So sometimes the folks are like, I don't really want to leave my friends. I don't want to leave my church. I don't want to leave what's comfortable. My doctors, um, my hairstyle is nailed, whatever it is, friends, buddies. But you do because your daughter, son, whoever it is that has grandchildren moved to another place. Understandable, respectable, honorable, and the right thing to do, unfortunately, for a lot of people. Everyone needs someone counting on you, counting on them to be there. Do this, do that. I have a question. Can you help? What do you think about this? Okay, everybody needs that. Number three, everyone needs to have a reason to have hope. Whether it's future medical improvements, the building of a new house, a garage, a pool, a business that is growing or changing. Everyone needs to have a reason to have hope. Where you see people, individuals, retirees struggle, couples struggle, divorce when they're 30, 40, 50 years of marriage, is when hope is missing from the relationship. I have seen couples come in Everything is wonderful. They're great. Financially speaking, I've got it all dialed in. They're great. They did everything they're supposed to do. And yet there's a, this hope that is lacking. And this lacking of hope that I see is because something is wrong and it's not getting better. Something is wrong and they're focusing in on the wrong thing. Whether it's health, whether it's a relationship, whether it is something uh, with one of their children. I can tell you one of my kids uh, were, was sick. Actually, a couple of them were sick. Different times of in our lives growing up, it's what you get when you have more than one child. Chances are somebody's always going to have something going on. And I had a period of time where it was seemed like one, and if it wasn't one, it was another, and if it wasn't one, it was another. It was always something going on. And I will tell you, I was in a pretty deep kind of a, a funk because I didn't have hope. And then I sat with somebody, yeah, a counselor, right? I said, hey, listen, I don't know what's going on. We're hoping, does it, is there any hope here? And when that person shared with me some items and I said, that's it, I have hope. So as long as I had hope, life was amazing. As long as I had hope, I could wake up again tomorrow, do it again, fight, 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 whatever you got to do, go through a struggle. So for me, it's all about hope. And what I started seeing with our clients is it's the same thing. If I can give you financial hope, right? So my job is to find a way. It's what keeps me up at night. It's what, it's why I work late. It's why I always struggle. My team is involved. I have a great staff of eight people. We, we were hardworking. Our job is to find an answer. Yes. Maybe this way, maybe that way. Maybe if we do it this, maybe you work a little longer. Maybe you do this instead of that. We can do it. Now, you can't tell me, Eric, if I, like somebody did once, came in, had $50,000. She wanted to retire in two years. She made $30,000 a year. Her social security was about $1,000 a month. And I said, I'm not really sure how you expect to retire because you have $50,000 saved to your name. Great job. I'm happy you saved money. But there's no way in the world you're going to retire on $1,000 a month if you expect a certain income that's going to exceed it. So she said, well, well, I, this is what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to do it. I said, okay, well, I can't be a part of that. 
because it's 100% going to fail. Unless you play the lotto, take $50,000 and go buy lotto, go to Vegas, put it on red, I don't know. You're going to have to have such an enormous amount of risk of loss in order to even have a remote chance of hitting the numbers you need to hit that it's outside of my expertise. I had one out of 27 years, one person who was so unrealistic and they're great people. I couldn't figure it out. I, I had them open the calculator. I had them use my calculator. We did the math. I drew it on the board. I said, do you see why it can't happen? So, but if you have hope, you're building a pool, you're building a new house. I, I saw this recently, somebody in their mid seventies building a new house. I thought, wow, well, first of all, what are you doing? And they said, well, I'm building a new house. I go, well, what's wrong with your current one? They said, well, nothing, but we did want to make it a little bit different. We wanted to change this. We wanted to add that. I thought to myself, well, okay, well, this is an interesting thing to do at this age. Now, he's not out there physically swinging a hammer much, but they're meeting with contractors, they're meeting with designers, they're putting it all together, him and his wife. I thought, that is interesting to me. It was part of the reason for him to always have something to do, a place to be important, to use his skill. And I filed it under hope. I said, that is why he has uh, a good attitude, why he wakes up every day. It's his place for hope. Because for a lot of people, they don't have hope. Right? They're in the same place. It's the same thing. It's the over and over and over. The biggest hope that they have is their next hairdresser appointment, doctor appointment. Hey, would you like to go travel next month? Well, you know, I have a doctor's appointment uh, on the 18th, so probably not. I thought, okay, that's 30 other days. Well, what the heck? You don't think you can move a doctor's appointment? Well, you know, because that's the place they have hope. Hey, do you want to do this? Well, I have to, you know, I have to do this instead. Okay. So you throw the rest of your life to the side because you have hope, in my opinion, in the wrong thing. A doctor's appointment is not the right thing to have hope in. It should be the next mountain to climb, metaphorically speaking, physically, actually. How many people are in their 60s and 70s still hiking and climbing mountains? I have a set of, a, a pair of clients, a husband and wife, great people, moved from California to the East Coast. And you ready for this that they do that's pretty amazing to me? It's amazing. I love it. They hike through Spain, Via de la Rosa. It's hundreds of miles. I think it's 500 to be exact. But they hike through Spain. No, they didn't do it overnight. They did it a little bit at a time, 20, 30 miles, 40 miles, 50 miles, and then come back, and then go back three months, four months later, and then do it again. But because we created for the last 20 years, they've been clients for that long, when they were in their 50s, income, stream, laddering. It was always quite fun because he would he lived not too far from the office and he would show up all the time. Okay, so are you sure it can work? And I just break out my calculator again, do the math, look, show him the, it's, there's no question in my mind, you can have more than enough money and you probably won't even touch some of these accounts. Well, guess what? They didn't touch any of them. Their income 
was amazing. They had to turn on the required minimum distribution, but for them, they were using that money for their grandchildren. We're taking everybody to Disney World. We're taking everybody here. We're doing this once a year. We're doing this. We're helping a daughter. We're helping our son. So my point is the hope that you have can be in anything. In their particular case, it was a physical thing. They had to finish this 500 miles. They had to. That's the hope. And it can change, right? When they're 87 years old, maybe they can't walk as much. Maybe they'll do a different uh, uh, challenge. Maybe it won't be physical. Maybe it'll be writing a book, painting. You know how many painters, authors have left behind works that they haven't finished yet? Uh, all of them. Because if you're a prolific artist, you're always working on something. If you're a prolific writer, you're always working on something. Same thing if you're a builder, builder of furniture, builder of cars. A lot of you ladies get upset when you see that garage full of bunches, uh, you know, a bunch of parts. Like a Ford Mustang threw up and you're like, hey, wait a second. What happened to all those pieces and parts? I want you to know, if you put, gave me a hundred years, I probably couldn't put that car back together. My mind doesn't work that way. I have no idea. I, I, I put together my engine in my little uh, pickup truck when I was 19 years old. Some A friend helped you know, in the uh, mechanic shop. He told me, undo, this, undo these bolts, call me back. All right. I was at his shop. I took it apart. Okay, now put this in. Put this back. Told me to do everything. The motor in that 76 Chevy Love was so small I could climb in to that the, to, to the hood. That's how tiny it was. Little four-cylinder. I didn't have any parts left over. The point is, you put together a bed from Ikea and you're going to have screws left over? Don't take, don't attempt a challenge like taking apart a 67 Ford Mustang or Camaro, whatever it is, is your thing. But some of you men, some of you ladies, you look at that and you say, that's my challenge. So I just want to encourage you, don't take that away from somebody if that's their place of hope, their place of purpose. Everyone needs to have a struggle, something to overcome. Number four, everyone needs to have a struggle. Something to overcome. Learning, maybe a college degree in an area that challenges you. Figuring out a problem to solve. You need to have a struggle somewhere. For many of us, it's getting better. Becoming more godly. Something you're never going to achieve 100%, but you can get closer every day. Some of it is just becoming a better person. Maybe some of you don't, don't follow a particular faith. How about just being a better human being? Follow the bees instead of the do's. Be a better husband. Be a better father. A better partner. Be a better listener. There's a lot of things you can be. And sometimes those are a struggle. You need to have a struggle. Everyone needs to have a struggle. Something to overcome. Something to get better at. Because it makes you better. And the people around you. Son of a gun. They should start noticing or you're doing something wrong. I like it. It's a figuring out a problem to solve. Number four, that is everyone needs to have a struggle, something to overcome, something to be better. Okay, number five, everyone needs to have faith in the afterlife. It could be faith in Christ, faith in heaven. For some of you, 
its reincarnation. You need to have something, in my opinion, faith, not my belief, but if you believe in justice or karma, well, maybe that's your faith. Right? You believe, oh, eventually that person will, will get their due. Look, I, I've heard people say, well, that rich guy, right, he stole, he hurt people, he, and look, he's flying around on private jets, he has a great house in the Bahamas, and right, that uh, uh, he'll get his one day. Uh, maybe. I don't know if I subscribe to that. I have seen a lot of very successful, wealthy people be crooks and, and, and get away with it. This life is not about just, but the afterlife is. Right? When you pass away, that's where justice is served. And it's served a lot longer than 70 or 80 years on this planet. It's served forever. So the justice, whatever it is that you believe, the faith, the karma, the reincarnation, right? I want you to understand this. You need to have faith or belief in the afterlife. Now look, some of you are going to say, "Er, if I'm an atheist, I've had some, uh, some of you come in, you're, you're atheists. You love listening to Salem. You love listening to AM870 and Dennis. You love his moral arguments, his ethical arguments uh, on a visceral level. Uh, it, it hits you. Okay, fantastic. But I'm going to challenge you. I think you need to have faith in the afterlife, whether it's faith in Christ in heaven or some, for some of you, it's reincarnation, as I mentioned, but here's what's important. This includes politics, crimes against children, international issues like Russia, what they're doing to Ukraine. As corrupt as Ukraine is, as corrupt as the oligarchs are in Ukraine, I don't think you take people's lives. You know, they were going to school yesterday. They were pushing their little babies in, in carriages and, and going to the grocery store. And all of a sudden, you blow up their whole town and shut off their electricity and their water and you change their life. Imagine if that happened to your home, your hometown. So the amount of injustice that's being done by Russia to Ukraine, I think the way we deal with it is by having faith in the afterlife, knowing that someday, somehow, they will get theirs. So that's how I deal with it. That's what I have seen with the thousands, not hundreds. It seems weird saying in my mid-50s, but thousands of people that have come to our office that I have seen. And that's what happens in my office. I am who you see, by the way, if you choose to come into the office. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. If you choose to come to the office, my staff handles paperwork. They do a lot of the behind the scenes. But it's me that meets with you. So I always ask, be patient. Sometimes our schedule is tight, especially with holidays coming and going. But triple eight ninety nine retire. I will meet with you. It'd be my honor. It'd be my pleasure. Stay tuned for the second hour. Your emails are next. I'm Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. This is the Total Financial Hour on AM eight seventy. The answer. See you in a bit. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. 
welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. The second hour, the total financial hour. Should be the total financial hours. If you have a name, I got to think of a new name, right? Maybe you can help. Triple eight ninety nine retire. The total financial hours. Your total financial life. Oh, that's a good one. Triple eight ninety nine retire. I don't know. Seventeen years on the air. Uh, now we have two hours in a row. I love it. Thanks to you guys. Appreciate it. Uh, we use our second hour for a lot of reasons. I use it as kind of a utilitarian reason. A lot of it is your emails. Occasionally I'll have interviews on. I think that's important because it brings other points of view and other people, other ideas, interviews, people you'd like to hear. Give me a call. Triple eight ninety nine retire folks you'd like to hear from. I think it's important. One of the things that I've learned over time, it's this. People are very curious. Let me back up. See, what used to happen when we were financially trying to be wealthy or successful or just pay our bills or pay our, you know, eat dinner. Here's what happens over time. It used to be that you worked in the farms or fields or factories, right? You're in there working, working, working. And maybe you could save up enough money to send one child to college because that's where the information was, right? The university, the college, get on the, uh, the boat, the train, the horse ride, whatever it is, get over there, drive your car even, because it's happened in just in the last 50 years or so. Get in your car and go over there to get education. That's why a bachelor's degree was so valuable, because very few people had it. Why are they so invaluable? I don't want to say worthless, they're worth something, but why, why do they not have the same value, the same worth today? Because everybody has it. You can get it online and weekends. What do you have to give up to get it? Not a lot. I don't, I'm not saying I'm not this to be mean, but you didn't have to do a lot to get it, right? How many times do college graduates, when they come and apply for my company, they can't even put together a proper English sentence. They don't know when to use who, who or whom. They don't know how to spell there. They use the letter U when they talk about you because they forget the English language is two languages. There's a written and a spoken and the written language and the spoken language are different and they manifest themselves today differently. For example, an email or a handwritten letter is the written language. A text message or the spoken words out of my mouth, those are the spoken language. So in America, in the United States, when you're speaking and you're writing a text, you can use the initials or the letters you can use Y instead of W-H-Y. You can use the letter Y. People think they know it or yes, depending on how you use the letter Y. It could be yes or no, Y or N. You follow me? The spoken language is a lot more of an abbreviation. So the class difference in America is no longer educated versus uneducated. It is now who understands the difference between the written and the spoken English and where to use it and when to use it. For example, if you're writing a text to your boss, do you write it in the form of a written or spoken? Because you can still write the text in a proper English manner. People do, should. Maybe it depends on who you're speaking with. Just like in Spanish, there's the formal, usted, and then there is the informal, your friend, your buddy, tu. When I took all my years of Spanish classes, I loved it. In fact, I look back at my Spanish experience and, and it was such a, I, my heart felt so deep for the Spanish, for the Latin culture, it made a big deal to me, right? A lot of us didn't understand it because we thought to ourselves where, where and why 
did it become such an important part of life, this written and this spoken language. So I ask you this, if you're kind of going through life and you're trying to understand why is it today that, quote, college degrees aren't as valuable, it's because of this very simple premise. Today, jobs that are easy to, well, let me put it this way, jobs that are difficult to do, difficult to do, they pay a lot more than jobs that are difficult to learn, right? People are paid more money for jobs that are difficult to learn sometimes. How much time did you spend in college? Not just going to college, but eight, 10 years? Well, maybe we're going to pay you more money for that. Otherwise, a pro makes things look easy, right? So a pro who makes things look easy would be paid less as he gets better at his job. I remember one time we had a plumber come over and fix something and took him maybe, oh, I don't know, 15 minutes, 15 minutes. And it was $240. And I thought to myself, wow, $240 for 15 minutes. I don't even know if brain surgeons make that kind of money. And he said, Arab, it didn't take me 15 minutes. It took me 15 years. You see, the reason I knew what to do is because of all those years of experience. Yes, I went to school. It wasn't difficult. School was, you know, a year. But to learn what to do, well, over time. So don't mix the two. Don't confuse the two. The difference between how long it takes to learn something and how long it takes to do it. A brain surgeon takes decades to really be good, maybe 10 years, right? To be great at what he does or she does. And it's a one hour, two hour surgery. The difference, simple. What takes longer to learn sometimes is more valuable than what takes longer to do. Okay, so I think about this with, with you in, in, our regards, in, in regards to your fi family's financial life. Um, I think you need to know that. My client, or this particular person who ultimately became a client, had very special problems. And here's what it is. They were not married, never going to be married to their partner. You see, a lot of people think because they pretend to be married, whether she wears a ring, they hold themselves out as married. So they call you know, each other husband and wife to their friends, or at least people that don't know them really well. So they still kind of talk about it, but they're not really married. So that's a big change. I think you need to know this. Here we go. Dear Erev, when I... Uh, uh, okay, here it is. Dear Erf, I when I was left, uh, when I was last at my job, I had a 401k. That was 16 years ago. When I left that job, I left my 401k there. Now, fast forward 16 years, my old 401k plan, which is their company retirement plan, is still there. It's gone up, it's gone down over the years, but it seems to have grown quite a bit since I had left. But now, at the age of 64, I am planning to retire in June of next year. I am single. I never had children, but I do have a longtime partner and we have no plans to marry. My old retirement account has about $825,000 in it and it's all in stocks, mutual funds. I have seen a loss of nearly 200,000 in the last 12 months. I can't have that happen anymore. You said there was a bonus type of an account 
that could help get some of my money back, as long as I use this account for income. Well, that's exactly what I want to do. I never plan on taking it out in big chunk, chunks or lump sums. I do expect to have it as income for my entire life. I'll be starting Social Security in June as well. That's about 29, $2,890. We'll call it $2,900 a month. My current job has a pension of about $1,200 a month. However, I need about $5,000 a month to live on. Okay, let me pause there, guys. $2,900 a month from Social Security, $1,200 a month from a pension. So that is $4,100 a month. Okay, $4,100. She needs $5,000 a month to live on. Okay, so we're short about a thousand bucks, let's call it. All right, a thousand dollars. I need about five thousand dollars a month to live on, but I expect to spend around ten thousand extra per year for travel. Can that happen? I also have my current retirement account of about three hundred thousand that I'm going to leave in a money market account just for emergencies. All right, so we're not going to touch that. It's going to stay in a money market account. Now, it, guys, uh, this has to stay in an IRA, individual retirement account. So when you leave your job and it has the 401k type plan, it's going to pick up and drop into an individual retirement account. When it does, that's important, it still has the tax benefits. You still do not have any required distributions until you turn 72 years old. When you reach that age, you do have to begin withdrawing money from it. Okay. The other part is this. I want you to have emergencies. You need that. 300000 that's a little high for emergencies, especially because you have a partner, right? You have a partner. You have a person that you can generally share expenses with. You, you uh, take turns spending money on different things. You take turns, you know, electric bill, whatever it is. Everything costs a little less. If I turn the heat on or the air conditioning or a, or a light whether there's six people in a room or one, the light doesn't change its intensity and its draw of electricity. So therefore, certain expenses, regardless of the amount of people in the room, are the same. Now, if there's four rooms occupied at the same time and you don't, you're not somebody that shuts off lights, okay, that's not going to change. But if you shut off lights, shut off lights. But you need those open because there's somebody there. I, I get it. You can argue that more people could cause a greater amount of electricity. And maybe to some point I would agree. But the point is most utilities aren't going to change dramatically. All right, here's what we do. Ready for this? I love this. All right, so this is Susie or Sue. Here's what Sue did. She created two different retirement accounts by accident because she worked there. She left her old retirement account behind. Here's what I think is important, guys. We're going to leave some of that um, uh, 300000 for emergencies. But here's what I want to do. I want to take $100,000 of it, and I want her to use that 100000 as a pulling money out. We call it a travel fund. And the job of that money is to pull out $10,000 a year for the next 10 years. She's going to earn some interest on it. Right now, it's 2 and 3 and 4%. So she earns two, three, four percent. So realistically, she's going to have 11 or 12 years worth of travel because by the time she gets to the 10th year, the money that's been left behind year after year, it's, it's earning interest, interest, interest. So it's going to actually grow at a later amount. So she might have 11 or 12 years worth of 
hundred uh, worth of ten thousand dollars a year to spend, or more likely she's going to have inflation uh, adjusted money to spend if she needs to. Okay, that's possible. So Tom Higna, I've had him on the show a couple of times. Uh, I love him. He's got a great book, Paychecks to Playchecks. I think you should get it. Paychecks to Playchecks. You have to ask yourself, what are these first, we call it the first 10 years. Of course, you adjust it, depending on the year you retire. Okay, ready? The first 10 years are called the go-go years. Go-go years. You're going to travel. Always wanted to do this. Go visit that. Ride around the country on a bicycle, rent a motorcycle, travel, get an RV, on and on and on. You're going, going, going. Leaving your house often. More than you did while you were working. It's called the go-go years. All right. The second 10 years is called the slow-go years. Maybe grandchildren are there. Maybe they need you less. So you're not going to travel. You're not going to see them as much. You may not even be involved in their lives as much. Why? Because they're teenagers and they're doing things and they're going there and going here and you're staying. So you'll spend time, but you're going to stay closer to home. Less international travel, more local travel if you're going to do that. Spend a lot more time in your home, fixing things up, being there, projects involved with volunteer work, but it's a slow go time of life, usually in your 70s. In your 80s and beyond, it's called the no-go years, maybe the 90s and beyond these days. What that means is people come to you. You're not going to go out of the house much except for hair appointments and nail appointments and pharmacy visits and doctor visits and physical therapy. Have-tos. Very few want-tos. So here's what I'm going to recommend, Sue. We're going to ladder these that uh, $300,000 initially. That's going to be your $10,000 per year. Yes, it's taxable, so we have to budget for that. Then what we're going to do is use $60,000 60000 of that money to withdraw $1,000 a month to live on. So that's 60, right? One divided by, that means 60 months. So for five years, you're going to have $1,000 a month come out of that 850 or 825 rather, 825. Okay, so 825. We're going to let that grow. It's going to grow, it's going to grow. And then I'm going to split that into a couple of accounts as well. So when you turn age 65 to 75, okay? So you'll be 75 years old. Then we start the income stream. And that starts to give you money each and every month. Probably close to four to $6,000 additional per month. Now you might say, but by now I'm 85 years old. What am I going to use that money for? Well, you're 75 to 85 years of age and beyond, this money lasts for the rest of your life. It's a guaranteed income stream. And the reason it's important is because of health care. You may need to care, have somebody come to the house. Spending four or five or $6,000 a month to help your care or your partner's care. Because you guys are not officially married. So regardless of what his social security check is, if you pass away, you do not get his, even if his is higher. And if he passes away, sorry, if you pass, he does not get yours. Right? Because normally, husband, wife, 
or probably today, husband, husband, whatever it is, or wife, wife. When one spouse passes away, the lower of the two social security checks goes away. The higher of the two, the spouse gets to keep. Well, if you're playing house, <laughs> you're, you're, you're living together, but not married, you're, you act as if, but you're not officially married, then social security does not treat that the same. So what do they do? Well, you just get your social security. You just get your pension. There's nothing on the other person's side. So how would I make sure in this particular case for him, because you didn't mention his finances, you just mentioned yours. How would I make sure that he is cared for? Very simple. I want him to be the beneficiary of all of your accounts, all of your accounts. Your retirement accounts, your IRAs, if you left it in the 401k world, make sure he is the beneficiary because that circumvents probate. And that's a benefit for you, right? If you can circumvent probate, which you want to do by making him the beneficiary, that's important. If you have a house, you can have a, a home that's titled Joint Tenants with Right of Survivorship. You want to avoid spending, well, probably tens of thousands of dollars to judges and lawyers and trustees. Title your home joint tenants with right of survivorship. It means that both of you own 100% of the house. So if you have other beneficiaries, then, then we don't want you doing this. But if you don't have children, you don't have a spouse, you have your partner, you've been with him forever, you're going to probably stay with him forever. There's no plans to marry. I understand that. Make sure he is co-owner of the house, which is called joint tenants with right of survivorship. Or you could, if you say, well, I don't want him just in case. I don't want his ex-wife or his kids coming after. Okay, fine. Then you can put it in the trust, a revocable living trust that has the option for him to keep the home and to live there. Or maybe the home is in his name. I don't want him to pass away. His kids to come in and kick you out. Six weeks later, you got to go. So whoever owns the house, if you bought it together, then fine. You should be joint tenants with right of survivorship. If you didn't buy it together, if one of you owns it, make sure you put that person as the beneficiary of the revocable living trust. And the home needs to be in the trust. That means you need to have the title of the house should be in the trust. How do you do it? You do it very simple. You do it in what's called uh, a revocable living trust, transferring the deed. So the deed, the title, sometimes you'll put in the trust and the house goes to this person. That's great. It's only halfway there. Then you have to take documentation, requires a notary and the county in which you live and it requires that to be signed. The trust documents, so there'll be a requirement, whichever county you're in, we'll, we'll lay out that requirement. You send it to the county and you will receive back in the mail a stamped, certifi certified, if you will, approved, yes, we have it, yes, it's in the trust name, and that will keep you guys from going through probate. Because you can make anybody you want the beneficiary of your home. You can make anybody you want the beneficiary of your retirement accounts. And the last thing I want you to do, again, because you, you're not officially married, there's benefits 
and rules. I want you to go to the bank, any bank account, credit union account that you use. You might not keep each other as a joint owner for whatever reason. Maybe you don't. I mean, there's obviously a reason you're not married. So maybe that reason carries over by saying, well, and I just don't want you to be the co-owner of all of my bank accounts. But if I do die, I want you to have the ownership of these bank accounts. How do you do it? You do it what's called a TOD, transfer on death. Or in some banks, they use POD, payable on death. So banks and credit unions have a provision. It has a beneficiary. It has a provision that allows you to take those dollars, wrap them up. Nothing changes. Still in my name. I can still use my Visa card. I don't have to change anything. But when I pass away, the beneficiary, the TOD, goes into the bank, death certificate, my driver's license, my ID, ID, puts everything together and says, hey, I am now the owner. And that keeps everybody down in one place. No sharks start coming around. No kids. No um, charities. All right. Says, sorry, this bank account belongs to me. Important you have that. All right. Because if not, what do you do? Your bank account goes in to probate. Probate is where, and I think it was running two and three years, uh, not too long because the courts were shut. I don't know what it is now, but I know about a year ago it was running over two years to get your case heard before a judge. That means the house is just in limbo. That means the bank accounts are just in limbo. It means you're paying fees, you're taking risks, you're losing money. No matter what is happening, you can't do anything about it. So it's a real yucky place to be. So ask yourself, who do I want to receive my house? Who do I want to receive my, my uh, retirement account? And because we're going to ladder those retirement accounts, right? we're going to structure it so that some of those accounts are paying right now. Give me money now. But we've set some off to the future. And we said, don't pay me right now. I'm good. But eventually, I'm going to need my money. Eventually, I'm going to ask for those dollars to start paying me out per month. We structure that. I'd probably push it out 10 years because you reach a different age. There's a benefit at age 75 that you don't receive at age 64. There's a benefit that you receive by keeping it there 10 years. Huge bonuses. 15, 20, even as much as 35%. There's numerous companies that will give you a matching, just like when you worked, right? You worked, you put in money, the company puts in money. You worked, you put in money, company puts in money. So there are insurance companies that will try to induce you, hey, come and give me your money. There's some catches. You have to take the money out in the form of income. You have to say, give me a monthly check. Okay, great. If you're going to use it for that, that's the whole reason, right? The whole reason is to have this bank account pay you monthly. Well, great. If you do it right, you get all the goodies. If you don't, well, you don't get the goodies. So that, that upfront addition of interest, that upfront uh, increase to your balance could, believe it or not, make up for the losses. So we can do that. A 30%, right? What did you have? You had $200,000 loss on 825 or so. Oh gosh, I'd probably look at What's three times eh, $240,000? 
200 to 250, something like that. So we would get all of those losses back, start going forward, never backwards, get reasonable guaranteed rates of return over time, right? No less than zero, no more than about 10 or 12 or maybe 15. That's the cap. People say, what's the most I can make? It's not going to be 20, 30, 40, 50. Maybe you'll get 15, maybe 18 some years, realistically between six and eight, four to eight, something like that. If you took the average over time with today's interest rates, probably between four and eight percent, six to eight, somewhere in there. So can your financial dreams come true with those numbers? If they can, maybe the, the account is right for you, right? The product, it's called a fixed indexed annuity. It's right for some of your money. It's right for the purpose of the money being an income stream. Well, you might be able to do it. All right, stay tuned, guys. I have a, another email for you. This one I think is interesting because it's going to come from a husband and wife couple that might be you because they're young, younger than normal than we have, and it could make a difference. Triple eight ninety nine retire Stay with me. I'm Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour. Be right back. The Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me or rejoining me if you're here for the first hour. The second hour, this is the last half of our second hour of the show, I want you to know that I really appreciate you being here. It allows us to continue to support, if you will, really, uh, the ideas, the values that people like Dennis and Larry espouse. Very important to understand, there's only three types of people. I don't know if, if Dennis created this. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it because he's always a man of original thought, but he also gives credit So when it's due, and I, he may have already done this. But he's talked about there's the fighters, there's those that support the fighters, and then there's everyone else. By far in today's world, especially in America, because they scare the daylights out of you by calling you, ready, intolerant, racist, bigot, homophobe, right? They use all those words. So as soon as you open your mouth and you say, yeah, but, but you know, uh, monkeypox, it's because it comes from monkeys. Up, oh, we're changing the name, right? Or, or one of the variants of COVID was chi, which happens to be a Greek letter or the way that they would have cataloged it in a, in a normal world. Oh, but it what happens to be the name, the pronunciation at least, of the president of China. So we can't have that. We don't want to offend the president of China. So science redirects, changes, and creates a new name for the last few viruses because of offending people. I, I don't know. Do you find that? Maybe that's offensive, right? Maybe to you and I, that's the thing that we say. Something is wrong when all of a sudden the world changes to create other people's lifestyle uh, habits, right? You've heard me. I'm very anti-mask. One is because I think it in induces fear. It's like walking around the street uh, with a sign that says, I'm afraid I have lived the 50 years of my life without ever worrying about a virus before, right? I never wore gloves and masks. I never did. And yet there were viruses, sometimes a lot worse viruses floating around. And yet now all of a sudden, because monkeypox or some variant of something 
and they scare the heck out of you by using percentages when talking about how full ICUs are instead of using a realistic context. I'll give you a, a good example. If an ICU at a hospital has 20 beds, there's one specifically I'm, I'm thinking of, but I won't share the name, but let's say it has 20 ICU beds and it has to run to be profitable. It has to run at least 14 beds. Some would say 15 or they start shutting it down, sending nurses home, right? Cost cutting because ICU is a very profitable center for the hospital. Of course, I've had family member and IC family members and it has saved their life. So by far, you guys, I think probably the highest trained, certainly the highest compensated nurses and doctors and professionals and tele telemetry, which monitor the, uh, uh, you know, the monitors, the, the electronic monitors, they're usually an ICU because that is life is hanging in the balance. It's right there. Could go either way. Great place to be right on the edge. But if you don't have 14, 15 beds full, the cost to run it is too high. So the normal in a, in a hospital is 14, 15, 16 beds. And when they get to 18, 19, 20, you don't shut down the world. You don't say, oh my gosh, that's it. We have too many people, too many people. What are we going to do? You don't do that. What do you do instead? It's very simple. You, you step down people. You say, okay, who's the healthiest? Who's ready to go anyway? All right, we're going to let them go by this afternoon because we're bringing in somebody in this evening. Or they will sit down and say, listen, we can't, we can't let anybody go because all the, all the folks are still pretty sick here. We're still waiting. So they create a second room down the hall or there's, there's secondary units, right? CCU, critical care unit. They have different places in the hospital that they can slightly modify to accept the very, very, very ill. So it's always been that way. Train accidents, car accidents, you know, plane accidents. You get it? There's been always reasons where people have been elevated to ICU. Hospitals handle it. So what do the media do? Very simple. They run around and they use percentages. We're 95% full. Well, they're always... So then you, what you do is you tell me, what is normal, right? What is, the, what is what they run on a regular basis? 85% full? So if they run 80% full, that's normal, but 85, we've got to start worrying. You see how they mix apples and oranges? It's the same thing your broker does, by the way, when they say, oh, listen, you made a 14% rate of return. And our fees are 1%. You say, but I don't understand. What does that mean? I've lost money. Oh, well, look, but you have $175,000 more in your account. Oh, okay. And how much in fees do you charge me? One and a half percent. You didn't ask what the total cost was, right? You got to ask the right question. Okay. I get it that ICU is full. What's normal? I get it that you're charging me fees, Mr. And Mrs. Broker, but, but use dollars, because if we're going to play the game with dollars, then let's use dollars. If we're going to play the game with people in hospitals and ICUs, then let's just play the game with people. How many people? How many people? How many people? Use the denominator. Keep it the same. For some of you going to Arif, ICU, dollars, brokers, doctors, I get it. Some of you don't. In the retirement world, you can be tricked. It's the same thing in the medical world. If you're running around with a rabbit's foot and a mask, I have a lot more respect for you than if you're running around wearing a mask. The same one that's on your gear shift, the same one that hangs from your rearview mirror, that sits in your purse in your pocket, 
It's just a lucky charm. When you wear it, it means nothing medically. Oh, but Irv, you know the doctor. Look, common sense. You're not wearing it properly, so does it mean that you are doing it because at least it's better than something? So is that the way we want to live? At least it's better than something? Why don't you wear two seatbelts? Why don't you wear a helmet and uh, gloves and knee pads and a... Because it's, boy, it's better than nothing. Right? When you ride your bicycle, uh, you follow me? Where's the better than nothing? Well, at least the hospital has, has people... What, well, what's better than nothing? Is that the standard now? You never did that for 50, 60, 70 years of your life. You never wore a mask and there were viruses going around, sometimes a lot worse than today. You never used your elbow and you lifted your sleeve of your shirt and rolled it down so you could open the door. And then you put on antibacterial and, and then you, you have this whole righteous production. It's like you tap your head four times, spin in a circle, jump up and down, and I'm going to open the door. Why didn't you do that? That superstition is probably just as good. Oh, listen, some circles would say better than wearing a mask. The same one that was in your purse, your pocket with the virus, bugs, virus, virus. When last year we knew RSV and some of the other mold and, and uh, bacteria and lung disease issues were coming around because you were wearing the mask and breathing the same air. You guys have to pay attention to these things because the common sense that takes place when you're walking down the street is the same thing when you're dealing with your portfolio. You know you have a gut instinct. Ready for this? You have the feeling. Trust it. Women, you call it women's intuition. Men, you call it, I trust my gut. You know it. Something's wrong. I don't know what, but every time I turn on the TV, they're trying to beat out the common sense. So what if you just ask your brokers basic questions? Simple. How much did I put in? What is it worth now? And what did it cost me to get there? Okay, that's it. How much is it worth now? How much did it cost me to get to where I am today? That's it. I think you should ask yourself those questions. And then you say, wow, this is a great account. I love it. I want more. Great. Now you're dealing with common sense. Real numbers, simple. Let's just talk about it. Right? How many people are normally in the ICU? What is it now? And how many more is that? Just do the math. How many more is that? And what happens if it gets to be higher in a normal life, right? When we had a train accident, what happens? Earthquake, what happens? Oh, you just had a hall. You had the, the units down the hall or, or you had another floor of the building and you shut that floor down and made it, you know, it's built in for ICU or CCU, critical care unit, right? You, you have those units that you can make into a, a much more high level of care. Got it. Don't let the world change based on your fears. Don't let the seven o'clock, five o'clock, 10 o'clock news, whatever, scare you. Right? It goes to global warming. It goes to everything in your life. The left has to operate off of fear. That's how they do it. They need you to be afraid of something so that you can be afraid of something so that you can be afraid of something so that they're the solution, the solution, and the solution is always them, always bigger government, always the federal government. 
How many of you see your congressman, congresswoman at the grocery store? Never. Probably ever. Your senator? Never. You don't see your state senator. Diane Feinstein has been uh, literally, I don't want to say uh, she's a human being, but she's been a, an invalid for quite some time. She shouldn't be a senator. She has nothing. They're going to be appointing somebody new as soon as the new year comes. Right? They'll appoint somebody else. She, she's lost her marbles. She's physically not there. A, a nice person probably. I don't know. But she shouldn't be our senator. We're, we lack representation. But they're just put in, right? Newsom will maybe put himself in. Who knows? Who's going disp- to who's gonna dispute it? Who's going to be mad? ABC News? <laughs> so you look to see. Where's the problem to solve? And you look to see who is the right person, group, people to solve it. So when the problem you have is your finances, you don't go to the same people that created the problem to begin with. Right? I've lost my money. My money went down in value. So I'm going to go back to the same guy that lost my money and ask him, how do I get my money back? You realize if he or she really knew that, she probably wouldn't have lost your money to begin with. If she really knew that, unless she's a son of a gun, right? If she's a mean, evil, dirty person and she lost your money on purpose, all right, that's a different story, but I don't think they are. So you don't ask the same person, the same group, the same company, the same organization, hey, hey, you know, you lost my money. Uh, can you go find it for me? Since you lost it, you probably knew where you hit it, so go find it. Go, go, go get it for me. You wouldn't do that. Right? You don't ask the same people who are lying to you about masks, who are lying to you about uh, ICU numbers. You don't ask them, okay, now tell me the truth. What is it going to take to fix it? Right? You would laugh at it. Now, you might be saying, oh, Eric, what do you know? I'm just telling you what I'm hearing from doctors and nurses that are clients. Not in a public setting where they're afraid they're going to lose their license. Right when the state of California comes knocking on their door, hi, doctor, doctor, uh, get vaccinated or we're going to take your license. Nearly 90% of the people in California dying are already vaccinated and only 70% are vaccinated. If 70% are vaccinated, shouldn't 70% be dying or less? So I don't know why more people percentage-wise are passing away than are vaccinated or unvaccinated. Right? I, I mean... Shouldn't it be that we, we've probably lost the entire unvaccinated population by now? And the vaccine is supposed to, vaccine, 17 boosters. Where are we now? Get your 18th booster by the weekend. Something is wrong somewhere. I don't know. I, I, I'm not that smart. I just know something is wrong. And I know private conversations with medical professionals are not the same as what I'm seeing on television. They're just not. And these are immunologists. These are doctors who specialize. These are masters in biomedical research that know uh, viruses and virology. These are people that I don't, you know, I can't even spell the degrees they have. I'm like, I don't know. Sounds smart to me. So my point is, I just want you to think, do what's best for you and your family by doing research, not just listening to the 10 o'clock news. Because those guys are not telling the truth. Not when 15 minutes later you see a, 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 an advertisement for 
Pfizer. Not when you see a football game brought to you by Pfizer, making America better again. Brought to you by this biomedical company and that biomedical company. And then you wonder why the NFL doesn't take a stand or baseball doesn't take a stand. And you go, wait a second. Isn't this the same group? Uh, something's, something's wrong. All right, here's a, another email, guys. This is from Kenneth. Very important, guys, because I think you need to listen to this. This is a lot of you. In fact, a lot more of you than I ever thought when I initially started my show, thinking that th this wasn't the norm, but it is. Here it is. Dear Irv, my new wife and I love your show and listen to it every week. Since we both came out of bad marriages in the past, where our spouses mismanaged our finances, we are listening to you for advice. Any thoughts or ideas on how we can manage our finances together? I'm 52 years old, she is 48, and all of our children have grown and moved out of the house. We each have our own savings account, totaling about $90,000. It took us years to save that together. Her retirement account has approximately $290,000, and mine has approximately $50,000. I had to give most of my retirement to my ex-wife. I did that to keep the rental property and my primary residence. Should we combine our accounts, or should we maintain separate bank accounts? Okay, very important questions, guys, because a lot of this for you and I is it's going to be different for many people. They will never combine their bank accounts again because they were taken advantage of, they were shafted, whatever words you can want to use in the past. And that's important because a lot of us, that personal experience is real. It's root. It, it's, uh, it's called normal. It's our experience. So I can't take that away from you. But what do I see as a healthier relationship? Okay. What do I see as ones that succeed my opinion, my experience? It's this. I think you should each have your own small, very small, either credit card or and or bank account. 5000 500 I don't know, whatever it is, $500 a month, something that you can spend without asking permission, if you will, from the other person. It should be a number that allows, that fits with your finances. So as your wealth increases, maybe that number increases. But I want it to be something that gives you the feeling of independence because you both came from bad relationships where probably a lot of freedoms were taken away and not in a healthy way. So I think you should both be involved with the finances. I think you should have most of your money combined. I think you should have each other as the beneficiaries, your children. Now, if you just got married and you want to put your kids as the beneficiary, that's fine. But for a lot of you, the kids, <laughs> This is hard to say, but they're not entitled to anything just because they were born your children. If they mismanage their own money, or if your responsibility today is to the person you're caring for that's next to you and, and mismanaging their own money is the norm for your children because they're just counting on the day, uh, financially speaking, until you pass away, that they're going to get something. I want you to say to those kids, very straightforward, guys. Me and your stepmom love you. We care about you and we, and we learn to grow. She learns to grow and love you even more every day. Like I learned to grow and love her children every day more and more. But I want you to know she is my wife. And my job, my primary 
job is to take care of her. Now, if you were 10 years old, my primary job is not her, believe it or not. It's you. But you guys are grown. You're married. You moved out. You have a career. My job in life is to not financially care for you. Now, I can if I want to. I might give you more than I give your sister, more than your brother. Because I want to. Not because I love you more. Maybe because she needs it or you need it. Maybe because he wants it. Maybe because it's important for him. Right? I don't want you to think to yourself that I am creating wealth so that you guys don't have to create your own wealth. Now, in the end, after both of you guys pass away, Kenneth, and you have a living trust and you want to separate things between her children and yours because you're building your wealth together and, and they are your beneficiaries? Of course you should. That's great. I've seen that happen where they say, listen, we have five children. One is mine and four are hers. I've seen that where they said, they're all treated the same. We love them all the same. We're going to give them all the same. They all have the same level of success. They all have good and decent money management skills. I say, great. Now, wouldn't you think that one child that is his is going to get less than quote she or he deserves probably but the family has made it very clear that the spouse is key and guys i want you to know that ladies i want you to know that your primary job now if they're minor children that's different we're not talking about that but your primary job in life is to care for your spouse financially and medically I've seen it where some of the ladies will say, yeah, I'm gone and I'm gone for six weeks to go to my daughter because she's sick in another state. Okay, that's admirable. But who's caring for your husband? He's your first priority. I get it, your daughter's ill. Maybe both of you can go. Maybe you can pay to bring somebody into her home and maybe you can be there for a bit. But don't forget, you have to care for your husband and he has to care for you. All right? Emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of that, financially. So here's what I want to do, Kenneth. I like that both of you are involved in the finances. It's okay to have that one account together. I think you should, but I think you should have something separate. Maybe it's a, a credit card that is paid off every month that has a $500 limit, whatever the number is. Charge whatever you want. The family's money pays for it. You can do whatever you want with it. Buy your guns, cars, toys, uh, clothes, shoes, whatever it is that you want to buy. All right. Each of you have that small spending account that you don't have to ask that permission. I like that. It helps retain a level of independence, into, uh, even a mindset. And you need to rebuild your retirement account. We have to get $50,000 up. You're 52. I need a decade, maybe 13 years. Let's call it age 65. With you maxing out. That means the 20000 plus a year, dollars $27,000 a year, whatever you can afford, let's put in as much as possible and let's get that up to $800,000, $700,000, Same thing for her. I want her to put as much as she can in her account. That's going to matter because if both of you can put in quite a bit, you can build your retirement accounts. If you have old retirement accounts, we can take those, get those out of risk, put those into safety. I can do that for you. If they're current retirement accounts, you have to manage them properly. Dollar cost average. Every single month you're going to be buying. It helps because even when it's expensive or when it's inexpensive, when it's high price or low price, you're buying, 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 buying. That systematic purchase is called dollar cost averaging. 
very necessary to do that. The IRA is an individual retirement account. That means you can't combine them. So 401k accounts, same thing. You can't combine them. So they have to stay independent. So you can't combine your retirement accounts. They have to stay independent. However, you can make each other the beneficiary. And that's what I would do. And a lot of it is attitude. That means when you meet with your kids the holidays, you meet with them on the weekends, you make sure they all know that everybody is equal. And I also want you to make sure, which is what I try to do to my family, is I say, listen, we love you all. You will never be homeless. You'll never be on the street. You're never going to be hungry. We're going to help you if that's the case. But if you mismanage your own money, if you don't know how to manage real estate and, and you're supposed to inherit our rental property, Kenneth, you have a rental property. You need to teach the kids what rental property means. Because otherwise you're going to give them a loaded gun without teaching them to shoot. And they will get financially into a spiral. They will, they will blow themselves up, for, you know, figuratively speaking, right? So I need you to keep in mind that there's a responsibility to teach, but there's a responsibility for them to learn. And you are not obligated to give each one of all of those kids exactly the same amount if one of those persons keeps buying new cars and doesn't buy an asset. They buy liabilities, not assets. Things that go down in value, uh uh-uh. I want things that go up in value. Of course, they need a car to drive. They need a place to live. That's not what I'm arguing. I'm arguing that their wealth needs to be something that they have experienced themselves so that they will manage and respect yours because they will never respect yours as much as they respect their own because they work for theirs. There's an emotional connection to their own money. So be careful when you inherit it or when they inherit it and you give it to them. But primarily, take care of your spouse. That's the bottom line, guys. Thanks for being part of the show. Appreciate it. Give us an email at Arif at TFSWealth.com. That's Arif at TFSWealth.com. We're here for you every week at this time. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. Give us a call. Be happy to meet with you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.